The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Yeah, Santa, also known as Barack Obama. So, so, so I just wanted to uh, tell all you guys that the story is about being nice to people when they need some help, right? So, and and, and you got to do that not just during Christmas, but all all the time. So when when your friends need something. You can be nice to them. There's a durable coalition that seems to be uh, kind of rolling with Trump and what he's saying, what all of this racist rhetoric. When he says dictator, uses words like that, his supporters do like it. I mean, they it, like that. They that he, and he learned, you know, this is this is I have I can't do the warmed over. I have to be yeah. more, I have to do retribution. I have to do harder line. I have to go more fascist in order to get my people excited. Yeah. No. Biden world has to panic because what is on the line? Democracy, right? This is the do you want to have elections anymore election. It is a rare thing to compare your political opponents opponents rhetoric to Hitler. Yeah. But when your opponent cites Hitler, Hitler. they do it. If you're going to use phrases that are associated with Mussolini or Hitler, we're going to say so. That is not I heard a former president who is um, jiving on fascism. Uh, he's been dabbling in Adolf Hitler his whole life, uh, keeps Hitler's speeches at a bedside. Uh, uh, and when we're not making a, an anti-Trump comment, when we're saying he is a fascist, guys, that really we're dealing with a, a fight in our country between democracy and fascism, he doesn't really mind the Hitler comparison because at heart, he admires Hitler. Because we've never had a major party camp, uh, candidate campaign as being as autocratic adjacent as Donald Trump is. Can, we, can you imagine Republican primary voters actually the party of Reagan at one time supporting a guy who is so, so in love and has said it with communist dictators across the globe. It seems to me when he's channeling Adolf Hitler, we're, we really are getting to a new level that he's doing it so openly. He's praising Putin so openly. He's calling America rotten openly. He's praising all of these tyrants and dictators. We always get that question, why do you give him attention? Actually, this cannot be normalized. And he, is the Republican frontrunner. Uh, I am still shocked by the clowns uh, who claim to be media critics out there. Uh, it's absolute clowns that, that attack the media for reporting this. The story is about being nice to people when they need some help, right? Well, America's school children are struggling to read and write. So why are we teaching them about sex all day? Which is why this caught our attention over the weekend. Instead of using a Bible, a Pennsylvania school board president swore in on a stack of graphic sex novels. And I'm not talking about To Kill a Mockingbird. We're talking about deeply sexual content, way too graphic for school. Some school board members in Fairfax, Virginia, did the same thing last week. Like Carl Frisch, current vice chair and soon-to-be chair of the board. I, Carl V. Frisch, do solemnly swear 
do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia and the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Those books he was sworn in on. Well, they've been banned in several districts for depicting things like underage gay porn. The story is about being nice to people. Does it matter how hateful and corrupt the communists and criminals are we're fighting? We're fighting against some really vicious people within our country. We have vicious people outside, but I believe truly that the people inside of our country are far worse because we can handle with the right president, in particular president, we can handle China, Russia, uh, we can handle North Korea, Kim Jong-un. I saved us from a nuclear war. If Hillary Clinton got in, you would have ended up with millions of people being killed in a nuclear war. We can handle that if we have the right president. But what's very difficult are these corrupt communists that we have within our own country. They're very, very dangerous people. A lot to unpack there with the uh, opening montage. I have to admit, I have a strange fascination with the uh, Vanity Fair lady who says that democracy is under attack. (laughs) But there's the dear leader, too. The dear leader. How rich of the dear leader to talk to little children about being nice. This is the same man pushing, pushing for pornographic novels in elementary schools. That's right, he comes in, he talks about Santa Claus. We'll just leave aside the fakery surrounding Santa Claus. But he he comes in and says, look, this story is about being nice to people, even as he viciously attacks his political opponents. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining us on this beautiful day. At least it's beautiful here in central Oklahoma. As most of you know, you can get to this live stream, the live video stream of this show at TrumpetDaily.com and also at our Rumble channel. Just go to Rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily and you can join in on the Rumble conversation, whether the live chat or leaving comments after the fact. If if you, do, if you do visit the Rumble channel, make sure you give us the thumbs up so that you can up the rating for this show. Lots to get to on this show, today's show. We've got, uh, we've got Joe Biden's dreadful poll numbers. We meant to get to some of that yesterday, but we just ran out of, uh, out of time. So hopefully we'll have time to get into that a little bit later. But uh, with respect to this segment, just like on yesterday's show, I'd encourage you to go uh, watch that one if you haven't seen it. It's a pretty strong message. And uh, we, uh, we basically brought the Bible up front for the opening uh, segment, the Bible study, that is. So, and I think I want to do that again today. And again, these, some of these scriptures, these prophecies, they're not exactly the most uh, uplifting Christian living type messages that I often give at the end of the program, but it is nevertheless in the Bible. And there is, there certainly is a positive message to God exposing evil, to exposing the filth. Here, the dear leader, as I say, he's primarily responsible for all of this communist propaganda that he's injecting into the schools. And not just communist propaganda, but promoting the destruction of the traditional family, promoting all these bizarre and ungodly lifestyles, just like I covered on yesterday's show. And we just, as we'll, as we'll see, we just kind of laugh it off and joke about people's sexual perversions. Well, what they do in the privacy of their rooms. 
or in the, uh, the Senate chambers, it doesn't really matter. That's a personal thing. The senator, by the way, the senator, the one who, the boss of that staffer who produced that, that homosexual pornography inside the Senate, he basically said, you know, look, uh, he, it was a breach of trust and uh, I'm, I'm worried about my staff. Worried about your staff? Is there anything else that concerns you about pornography being filmed in the, the sacred chapel or the sacred temple that is the Senate? He's worried about his staff. It's unbelievable. Coming back to the dear leader, though, 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13, it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They come in, Barack Obama, Obama says, hey, I'm skinny Santa, and I've got, a, I've got a story to read. This is story time with Santa Claus, and it's about treating people nicely. It's about really helping people when, they're, when they have a need, just like, he, just like he promised in that transition period from 2016 to 17. He said, hey, one thing about the United States is uh, we've had peaceful transfers of power. He said this even as he was unleashing the deep state to attack, to spy on, to attack, to investigate, to try to get Donald Trump behind bars. He still is doing it. He still is doing that. And CNN came out recently and said the quiet part out loud. They said that, yeah, we're, Jack Smith, he's trying to expedite everything because he wants to get him convicted before the election. That's right. I mean, they're not even trying to hide what they're doing. They're attacking their political opponents, in this case, the bad orange man, with, as he said there at the end of that cold open, with, with such, such vicious tactics. Oh, yes. Even as he goes on talking about how nice we need to be, an angel of light. Mr. Armstrong, Herbert Armstrong, he was writing about this deception that Paul was encountering in 2 Corinthians 11. And he said here, do you do, do we think we're so superior to those of the first, second, and third centuries that Satan could not have tried to pervert God's truth today? Well, that's all he's done. I mean, you look around and we're living in a post-truth world. That's in the latest issue of the Trumpet Magazine. And of course, we talk about that often on this show. The propaganda war, the war over the truth. Second Corinthians 11 again, it says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. They come, they come across as if they're true ministers of Christ. And Paul says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Even Satan, Satan the devil, sees himself as a deeply religious being. Oh, yes. He's an angel, you see. The way he sees it, he is an angel of light. Verse uh, 14 again. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, verse 15 continues, it is no great thing if his ministers also are transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Paul says you better be careful with those that appear to be ministers of righteousness because uh, they're going to be judged according to their works. That's what Jesus said we ought to do when we're examining anyone. Look at their fruits. Look at their works. Look at what they're producing. 
My father said in the Last Hour book, there were people in John's day saying they loved God and they loved the church. He's writing more about John's epistles, but you could, you could put Paul's writings in, in there with it as well. But they were saying they loved God, they loved the church. While they were destroying the church, it's so easy to get seduced by words. It's so easy to be seduced by flatteries, by smooth-sounding words. You look at the fruits. Look at the fruits of the Antiochus movement and, and compare it with the fruits of the Jeroboam movement. Look at, look at which side really wants to promote traditions and, and which side really wants to promote America. It's not to say that God is on the side of Jeroboam, but it is to say that the other side is a communist invasion of the United States an anti-God communist invasion that wants to destroy the family and have all of those little young people that the dear leader read to for story time looking to the almighty government, not God, the almighty government of the United States, the communist leadership, the anti-family communist leadership. This is from America Under Attack. If you don't have this book, make sure you call our operators today and request your free copy. You see the 800 number there on your screen, 1-866-930-3024. My father writes, Barack Obama came as an angel of light. I mean, he's still around. He won't go away. That was in a little Chicago elementary school. He gets around, the dear leader. He said over the weekend that, uh, you know, hey, we may lose this. So he's applying more, speaking of the presidential election next year, so he's applying more pressure on the fake, the fake president to step aside. And as you'll hear from a clip a little bit later, I mean, the fake president doesn't want to do that because he's using his office to protect his son and his, his crime family. <sighs> you talk about looking into the hole of a wall, the wall of the sacred temple, and you see all of this evil and this filth. We'll get to Ezekiel 8 here in a second. I didn't have time to cover that yesterday. But Obama comes as an angel of light, and millions of Americans believed and still believe him. But as president, was he the guardian of America's democratic institutions and traditions, like the rule of law? Did he leave the instruments of our democracy at least as strong as he found them? He did precisely the opposite. Focus, listen to this, focus on his actions. Focus on his actions. Look at his fruits. You see all the talking heads there in that cold open. You could produce a Trump as dictator, a, a Trump as dictator montage every single week, probably every couple days. And really what the latest polls suggest is that Americans have had enough of authorita authoritarian dictatorship. That's why they want Donald Trump. That's why it doesn't even phase them if Trump talks about being a dictator for a day so that he could close the border. They, Americans are on to the dear leader and his communist authorita authoritarian dictatorship. They know. They see what's happening. They're looking at the works. It says here, focus on the actions. Look at the fruits. Anybody should be able to see past the angelic artifice and recognize the real power at work. Just as Satan comes as an angel of light, the people he works through appear as the ministers 
of righteousness, but they work in darkness and secrecy. They come out into the open. They talk about Santa. They talk about a story to be nice to people. And then when they retire to the darkness of their offices where they strategize, leaving aside the Sodom and Gomorrah behavior that they bring into that darkness as well, they are plotting and strategizing to take over the reins of government all across society. My father says the radical left is lawless. They're satanically sick. These people no longer deal in logic or truth because they've been overwhelmed by the devil. Overwhelmed. Yes, indeed. Overwhelmed by the angel of light. It says here, Antiochus really believed he was God manifest. That is a frightening belief. This egotistical claim was inspired by the devil. That's right. God in the flesh. That's the way he sees himself. That's why people practically worship him. That's why they swoon before the dear leader. My father makes this point. He's been making this point for 10 years, going back to the very first edition of this book. Well, it was a booklet at the time. Now it's a a hardcover book. They swoon. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? Never, ever vetted? Nobody judges them by the fruits. They just, they just look at the, the skinny Santa and they say, wow, what a dear leader he is. That uh, section with Jesse Waters, I, I alluded to it yesterday, swearing in for these school officials on top of, not, not the Bible, on top of books, pornographic books, that these activists want to put into schools, they'll have the occasional Santa book just to kind of give themselves some cover. They'll have the occasional be nice to people book just to give themselves some cover. As long as it's mingled with books that promote aggressively homosexuality, LGBT, transgenderism, all of that filth, and they want to get it into the minds of your children as early as possible, that's good communist ideology. You see, Pennsylvania's third largest school board, this president recently elected into office, and shame on the people for electing someone like this, but this is the third largest school board in Pennsylvania. I mean, Pennsylvania is kind of a, it's it's not dark red or dark blue, it's kind of in the middle, it's always a swing state. The Federalist says here, a recently elected Pennsylvania school board president made, made his priorities, uh, this might be a different case, made his priorities clear this month when she, so she, he, I don't know if it's transgender, I think it's just a pervert, it says when she was sworn in using controversial books, including sexually explicit material, on December 4, so just a couple weeks ago, a Democrat who was elected to lead the state's third largest school, school district in November was sworn in with a stack of books including sexually explicit material. Who does this? They're not even trying to conceal their true intentions. Obama may come out with the Christmas time reading, but these are Obama acolytes. These are Obama's foot soldiers. And they're out on the front lines pushing and promoting disgusting, vile, filthy reading material for your young people, for your children. 
says here, according to Fox News, one of the books used in the swearing, the swearing in ceremony included Flamer, published in 2020. It tells the story of a character who's bullied at a, bull, at a Boy Scout summer camp for acting in a manner considered stereotypical of gay men. The graphic novel includes characters discussing pornography and all these other things I won't mention and has an illustration that depicts naked teenage boys. Well, isn't that nice? What, as I said on yesterday's show, what must God think about this Sodom and Gomorrah filth that we're not only tolerating, we're promoting it. We declare our sin as Sodom. Isaiah 3 and verse 9 says it right there. Listen, listen to more from Jesse Waters' segment last night, clip two. For an outraged parent spoke out about all this, and one of the books he was upset with was uh, Gender Queer and Lawn Boy. Both of these books include pedophilia, sex between men and boys. Both books describe different acts. One book describes a fourth grade boy performing on an adult male. The other book has detailed illustrations of a man having with a boy. Quote, I can't wait to have your in my mouth. This is not an oversight at Fairfax High I'm sorry. How rich of these administrators to say, listen, there are children in the audience. Yeah, exactly. That's why we're trying to get it out of the children's library at your elementary school. See what I mean? Pedophilia. Grown men with little boys. And, and they put that in books? That's a crime. It used to be, anyway. It's a, today, more and more, it's being given the Jeffrey Epstein treatment. Just hide the client list. Just scrub it from the, the record books. Forget about it. How widespread is this problem? I touched on that yesterday. The New York Post, it says, this latest, this latest sex scandal, this is regarding the story I gave to you yesterday, this pervert staffer, that loves filming pornographic uh, videos, even in the Senate, the sacred Senate, according to Nancy Pelosi. The New York Post says about him, this latest sex scandal is further evidence that nothing is sacred anymore. Well, Nancy Pelosi told us that the Senate is sacred and that the House is sacred. No, that's not the case. God doesn't see it as such not even the New York Post, no institutions, protocols, or duty, all are plucked of meaning and reverence, downgraded to the importance of a rest stop bathroom. Pretty hard hitting. It's not as hard hitting as it should be, as most of the commentary uh, has been regarding that scandalous act revealed last Friday, discussed a little bit here and there, but not nearly enough says here, the only thing our society now holds to is victimhood, and it's to be invoked at any chance to shift blame. Well, yeah, this guy right here, he says, I'm a victim. He says his detractors are homophobic. He says he may bring lawfare against his detractors. He may go after them. Over at the Hill, Senator Ben Cardin on Monday said he's angry after that video emerged. Cardin declined to delve into particulars about the staffer and the incident, but he expressed his displeasure with the situation. 
Listen to this. I was angry, disappointed. It's a breach of trust. All of the above. It's a tragic situation and it's presented a lot of anger and frustration. I'm concerned about our staff. I'm concerned about our staff. What does that even mean? They're not involved. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe they're going to be exposed as well. I assume he means they're going to be made a target because people now look at Ben Cardin and his staff and they think about this 24-year-old staffer but he's concerned about his staff. Is there anything else you're concerned about? What about the way the the world views the United States of America? What about the way the world views the sacred temple that is Congress? Other lawmakers injected a little humor. Well, isn't that nice? It's just a, it's something we can laugh off. I mean, after all, it's just it's just perverted sex. Come on. Loosen up a little bit. While reporters were searching for Cardin on the Senate floor, Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin, jokingly scolded those seeking, staking him out to leave that beautiful man alone. Senator John Kennedy, Kennedy, sorry, a Judiciary Committee member, wondered if the chamber is locking the doors now. Funny, funny, ha ha. There we go. Just joke it off. What's the big deal? You know, it's. It's actually in Ezekiel 8, where God says, is this a light thing, really? Are you going to make light of all these abominations? A lot of people do. He talks about the image of jealousy in Ezekiel 8, and uh, and verse 3, God telling the prophet, look, I want you to come and peer into what's happening in the sacred temple. It's not so sacred. Brace yourself. Verse 6 says, he, this is Ezekiel 8, He said, Furthermore to me, son of man, see you what they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel commits here, here of all places, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn you again, and you shall see greater abominations. Greater abominations. It's worse than you even realized. It's worse than you think. He brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. And then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said to me, Go in, and behold, the wicked abominations that they do here. You know, in a lot of ways, thanks to social media, we're able to peer in to the lives of so many of the elites because they just can't help themselves. They put on a nice suit. They put on a nice suit. They walk into the, the, the Capitol. They put in uh, eight, nine hours of work. And then what they do after, or then what they do in the dark, or in the case of this staffer, what they do and film. And then it goes out on social media. There's your hole in the wall. He can say smooth words. He can say, look, I'm devoted to my work. Anybody that would question that is telling you lies. But what are his actions? What is he doing? That's what the Bible says we need to evaluate. Yes, we look right. You've got more and more employers. They sit down and interview prospects. And they say all the right things. They look the part. And then they go check out the Facebook or the Instagram page and they think, is this the same person? 
is this really? Is this really what he believes in? I mean, look at what we find out about these deranged lunatics that go off on mass shootings. On the one hand, if it's right wing, I mean, you will know everything about the manifesto within two seconds. On the other hand, if it's the transgender shooter in Nashville, they'll scrub it from the internet. They'll scrub it from social media right away because they know how damning it is. That's right. God says, look at this hole in the wall. Do a little more digging. <laughs> it's even worse than you realize. Verse 12 says, Then said he unto me, Son of man, have you seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? The ancients, right? The leaders, the, the rulers, the elites. Every man in the chambers of his imagery. Look at what they're doing inside those darkened chambers. Look through this hole. See for yourself. My father writes in the Ezekiel booklet. I don't think I have this up here, but uh, if you haven't had a read through that book in a while, I'd highly recommend it. If you don't have it, again, the 800 number, you can call that and uh, request a free copy. All of our literature, by the way, it's available at our website too, thetrumpet.com. But it says here, these elders are doing abominable things in the dark recesses of their perverse imaginations, harboring evil in their minds. They believe God doesn't see them, that he has forsaken the earth. Well, God is observing. God sees it. Look at the last part of this chapter. This is uh, verse 17. It says, Then said he unto me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? Why are there so many people in Judah taking this lightly, God says to the prophet? For they, they have filled the land with violence they have returned to provoke me to anger, and lo, they have put the, the branch to their nose. Therefore will I also deal in fury, God says. I see what's going on. I see how you're just joking about this. You're just laughing it off. Are they going to lock the doors now? Meanwhile, the, the world looks at the spectacle that is the United States, at the filth that just pours forth from Hollywood and other places now, and, and just goes all to the whole world. There was, I gave you that, that story that broke yesterday morning. What was it? Pope Francis, the AP, formally approved allowing priests to bless same-sex couples with a new document explaining a radical change in Vatican policy. Yeah, just accept them. And I love the, the statement at the end. That, that we shouldn't insist that people seek God's love and mercy, that they shouldn't be subject to an exhaustive moral analysis. Look, if you, see, if, you see, if you look through the hole in the wall and you see that these people are perverts, they shouldn't be subjected to an exhaustive analysis. Just go ahead and, and marry them and welcome them and tell them that they can live that lifestyle and be in the church. The church. This is from the Associated Press also yesterday. Maybe, maybe the Church of England's taking its cue from the Vatican. You know about the prophecies. I know many of you viewers do. About so many of those Protestant denominations returning to the fold. That's prophesied in your Bible. This is, this is from the AP yesterday as well. Church of England priests offered officially sanctioned blessings um, of same-sex partnerships for the first time on Sunday though a ban on church weddings for gay couples remains in place. So they're, they're inching in the same direction as the Vatican. Oh yes, the Church of England! 
the Church of England, these churches, these great universal churches, they might as well come right out and admit it, that they're not working to get the world out of the church. They're actively working to bring the world into the church. They're looking at YouGov polls. They're looking at other polls. Well, now, what's the, what's the sentiment among the people? What do the people want? The people want us to relax the standards. The people want us to throw the law out the window. The people want us to ignore Romans 1 and other passages of the Bible. And so they're happy to oblige. It makes me think of... Uh, what we cover in the end of first semester at Principles of Living, the modernist religious movement, Mr. Armstrong and Missing Dimension in Sex, he talks about the pendulum swing in the 20th century from the old morality to the new, thanks to the influences of Freud and others that, that viewed sexual promiscuity as the panacea for all mental disquiet or disorders. And, and Mr. Armstrong said, if anyone should have stood firm against that transition or that movement over to anything goes. It should have been religion, right? It should have been the clergy, right? It should have been the preachers that hold up the Holy Bible, right? Well, they didn't. They didn't. They caved in to the influence of worldliness, and they invited it into the church. And now it's just anything goes, and, and religion... I mean, religion today, it has a, it sounds like an angel of light. But look at what they're actually accepting. Look at what they're actually promoting. Look at their actions, in other words. Speaking of religion, the dear leader, the dear leader wanted to give a shout out. When he was with all those little kids, he wanted to give a shout out to all the religions except for one. I think it, it sounds, it almost sounds like it's the little kids that have to remind him. Listen to clip 13. Oh, the dear leader almost forgot about Hanukkah. Well, just it's a slip. I slipped my mind. Yeah, right. Yeah, we don't buy it. No, no, not when we look at your policies, your actions regarding the state of Israel. There's this story in the New York Times. President Biden told Israel's leaders on Tuesday that they were losing international support for their war in Gaza, exposing a widening rift with Benjamin Netanyahu, who rejected out of hand the American vision for a post-war resolution to the conflict. This is not Joe Biden. This is Joe Obama driving a wedge between the United States and Israel, just as, just as the dear leader did for the eight years he was in there officially. Been working now for 15 years to undermine Israel, to stick it to Israel. Happy Kwanzaa! Merry Christmas! Uh, what about Hanukkah? Hanukkah? What? He had to be a little bit uncomfortable giving a shout out to the Jewish holiday. When we come back, we've got quite a lot of material to get through. And we've only got about 15, 16 minutes to do it. So be prepared to buckle up and uh, we'll get as much covered as we possibly can. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back.
What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. Agree with me that Smith and Judge Chutkin are acting based on the election schedule. I do agree with you, Michael, and I think any fair-minded observer has to agree with that as well. Just look at Jack Smith's conduct in this case. The motivating principle behind every procedural request he's made has been speed, has been getting this trial in before the election. Let's take a couple examples. The trial date. The average federal conspiracy and fraud trial takes about a year and a half to two years between indictment and trial. In this case, we have dozens, hundreds of January 6th rioters caught on video, straightforward cases. They, too, were given about a year and a half to two years between indictment and trial. Jack Smith originally requested a trial date for Donald Trump, a far more complex case, five months out. He wanted a January trial. It was set for two months later. So Donald Trump is being given far less time to prepare than other defendants. And the actions this week, Jack Smith won an argument on immunity in the district court and then went right to the Supreme Court. I think a right move. I think the smart move. The only reason you ask the Supreme Court to do that on an expedited basis is if you're racing against the clock. And Jack Smith clearly is doing that here. That's CNN saying the silent part out loud. Yeah, everybody else. I mean, an ordinary case like this, at a year and a half, two years. Don Smith wants to give Trump's team five months to prepare. Just five months. The judge decided on seven months. That's CNN saying that, look, this is purely a political hit job. That's what it amounts to. They've got to get him. They've got to get Trump before November of 2024. Otherwise, they know they're in trouble. Listen again to this same uh, analyst on CNN, clip 10. You will never hear either Jack Smith or Judge Chutkin utter the E-word, election. They will not specifically say it. Instead, they use this sort of euphemistic language about the need for resolution, that kind of thing. I don't like the artifice here. I don't like the game playing, the wordsmanship that we're seeing. I think Jack Smith ought to just come out and say it or not. Here's the arguments 
both ways. First of all, if Jack Smith is trying to get this case tried before the election, and he clearly is, look, that is political. I mean, the counter argument would be, well, Jack Smith just wants the American voters to have resolution before they go to the ballot box. And I understand that. As a voter, I would like to know. But here's the problem with that argument, Michael. Jack Smith doesn't just want to get this trial done and let the chips fall where they may and let the consequences be what they can be. He's the prosecutor. He believes this case. He wants this case to result in conviction. And so his position isn't just, well, I want this case tried before the election. His position really, as a practical matter, is I want Donald Trump convicted before the election. I have no problem with the first part of that. It's his job to want and try to convict Donald Trump now that he's indicted. But the second part of that before the election, that's where it crosses the line to the political, in my view. He's not happy with the, the games playing. He says uh, this is political. It's obviously political. And meanwhile, you've got the regime media all over the place screaming when Trump says at a rally, Trump, who's a private citizen at the moment, says at a rally, you know, I'll, I'll be dictator for a day. Or I guess that was with Sean Hannity. And then he just laughs it off. And then he trolls the regime media thereafter. And they scream. Even as this guy on CNN acknowledges that this is pure and simple political persecution to try to get Trump convicted before the election over at Politico. It says, why a Trump conviction might not save Biden's re-election. What? Uh-oh. What? You mean these four indictments? You mean the 90-some-odd the felonies? You mean the seven, potential 700 years in prison that may not stop Trump? It's, a, it's the go-to refrain for Demo Democrats watching Joe Biden fall behind Donald Trump in polls. Just wait till Trump's convicted. Politico says, yes, Biden's historically unpopular. <laughs> He's historically unpopular. Yes, views of his job performance are... Speaking of unpopular, I think Drudge, had, for most of the day yesterday, had the headline that Nikki Haley's gaining ground on Trump in Delaware. This is her big shot. De DeSantis, his big shot's in Iowa. And I think the, the margin in, in Delaware is something like Trump 45%, Nikki Haley 29%. He's got a huge lead still. And yet the entire day there's Drudge saying, look, Haley's popular. Well, sometimes they'll say the quiet part out loud, as I, as, I, as I just mentioned. Here's Politico saying, Biden's historically unpopular. Okay. It says here, yes, views of his job performance are growing increasingly negative. But if a jury of Trump's peers in Manhattan or South Florida or Atlanta or Washington convicts him before Election Day, they say it would have a dramatic impact on the race. That's probably wrong. <laughs> That's Politico. That's not me. That's Politico. That's not, that's not America under attack, which says that Trump's coming back. That's Politico. That's right. The evidence so far suggests the race might shift only slightly by a few points. In fact, the evidence suggests that every time they throw an indictment type thing at him, he gains, he gains more. I mean, he, he, he pads his lead. Says here yeah, that could be important in another close election, but it's not the kind that Trump, the kind of Trump collapse that Democrats may hope for or that Biden may need if his numbers don't improve. It it says Trump's legal peril is unprecedented. See, it's the dear leader. He's behind it all. 
the dear leader who comes into the kindergarten class and says, hey, I'd like to tell you young people about how important it is to be nice. Be nice to your parents. Be nice to your educators. Be nice to everybody. Give them a cookie. If they're feeling down, give them a cookie. Yeah. Take last week what? Well, it goes through some of the polls. It says here, we're starting to get more data on how a conviction would affect Trump's chances to defeat Biden, thanks to pollsters who've asked voters what they would do if, if a jury found Trump guilty. It mentions a Wall Street Journal poll. Trump led Biden by four percentage points at a head-to-head matchup. The race shifted only slightly to a one-point Biden lead among respondents who were also asked what they would do if Trump were convicted. <laughs> Doesn't tilt the scales as far as these radical communists would hope. Tucker Carlson, he came out, he was asked about, you know, are there any stories that you were too scared to cover when you were in the mainstream media? Listen to this response, clip 15. Are there things that you're scared to cover? You're sitting there saying, wow, yeah. this is like soul yeah. crushing, like to the point where like it really scares yeah, you in your soul. There are two. Yes, there are two. Um, one is the 2020 election. And I think that I was far too dismissive of some of the claims made about it. And I think there may be some merit to some of the wildest possible claims about that election. And I haven't proven it yet, but I've, um, you know, look, I'll just say, and you know this, of course, very well, both of you, that whenever you have politics, you've got a lot of sleazy people and liars and people who just want to get their candidate elected or get paid or whatever. You've got a lot of lying around all political campaigns. So it's very hard to know what's true. And sometimes it takes years to figure it out. So there were a lot of stupid mercenaries making claims about fraud in that past election that were, you know, they couldn't back up. But that doesn't mean that all of those ideas were wrong. And I think that some of them were right is, is what I'm learning. And I, you know, I'll just leave it there. In case you're wondering, the second story he felt like he was too scared to get into in some depth had to do with UFOs. So we'll, <laughs> we'll give that a pass. Although I will say there's a lot of demonic activity going on around the world. And I'm sure the demons, among, among other things, <laughs> I'm sure the demons are stirring up all kinds of UFO-type activity as well. But we'll leave that aside. He talks there about the election steal. The election steal. I was far too dismissive. Good for, good for Tucker to admit it. Some of, the, some of the people that came out initially, maybe they didn't have all the goods, but I think uh, in principle they were onto something. That's certainly the way a lot of Americans believe. The RCP averages came out yesterday. <laughs> and at the top, you've got Fox News, their latest poll on the Republican primary. It has Donald Trump leading 69% to 12% for DeSantis, 9% for Haley, 69%. Trump's nearly to 70%. And we're carrying on with this phony fake story that Nikki Haley's almost catching him. Yeah, she's, she's going to overtake Donald Trump in New Hampshire. And you've got the New Hampshire governor saying, yeah, I think Nikki Haley's the one. I think she's going to win it. That's right. Dream on. Dream on, people. Look at the polls. It's right there in front of you. And then you've got Biden for his part. He's coming out of some Democrat <laughs> headquarters in Delaware. 
and a reporter shouts at him, why, you know, why are you losing to Trump in the polls? And he says, you're reading the wrong polls. He said it right before a car crashed into his motorcade. I mean, that perfectly typifies his presidency, no? Of course it does. And he stumbles his way into the SUV, barely above a, a walk. I mean, his motorcade just had a car crash. Who knows what could have been behind it initially. The New York Magazine, the alarming calm of, just look at the regime media. They don't even quite know how to, how to present this story. The alarming calm of the Biden campaign. It says, inside re-election headquarters, the president's aides feel confident that the 2024 race is totally under control. That's the New York Magazine. And then over at the Washington Post, Biden said to be increasingly frustrated by dismal poll numbers. Well, <laughs> which is it? Who knows? Who knows what they're thinking or saying behind closed doors? All we know is that his numbers, his poll numbers are cratering. And the dear leader, the dear leader, he's concerned about this. This is a pretty big story from uh, over the weekend. As I say, we didn't have time to get to it yesterday, but listen to clip three. Barack Obama thinks that this is not looking good for his old running mate. Quote, Obama knows this is going to be a close race, the source said, and feels that Democrats very well could lose the 2024 election. Obama worries that the alternative is pretty dangerous for democracy, the person said. Joe Biden's not taking the hint. He, it, it doesn't appear that he is going to step down um, on his own accord. I believe, um, and so does my husband, that he kind of can't because his way of protecting Hunter and then himself is by using the power of the government, the DOJ and the FBI. He loses that. Um, and so he can't, he has to continue and hope he wins. Barack Obama, meantime, reportedly worried about Joe Biden losing the 2024 election. Person familiar with Obama tells the Wall Street Journal that Joe Biden's former boss, quote, knows this is going to be a close race and feels that Democrats very well could lose the 2024 election. That person also says Obama worries that the alternative is pretty dangerous for democracy. This could be a situation where Democrats lose the White House. They're very much in jeopardy of losing the Senate when you consider they have to defend uh, West Virginia and Montana, for example, in Ohio. Uh, this could be the type of situation where Donald Trump not only wins, but he has the Senate and the House as well to pass whatever he chooses to pass as far as the border and as far as energy and as far as crime and the economy and so on. So when we hear these warnings, they are very, very real. Democrats are panicking at this point because they know if it's not Joe Biden, who are you going to take off the bench? I mean, this could very much be like the, the Nixon re-election landslide. What was that, 1972, I think? <laughs> They're worried. They're worried. Listen to this additional commentary from Fox, clip 19. I think this Obama, <laughs> this yeah. Obama part is more important then maybe we even understand. Obama is a kingmaker within the Democrat Party, similar to the way Donald Trump is a kingmaker within the Republican Party. I think they're going to rain something down on him, and I think Obama's going to be the one to do it. Because if Obama says, Joe's not our guy, I don't think the Democrat Party is going to go against Obama. It's coming down to Antiochus and Jeroboam, just like we bring out in this book, America Under Attack. Obama is the kingmaker. And she says there that Trump is the kingmaker too. In fact, Trump's the king, if you put the Amos language, in Amos 7, I should say, into this story. 
This was uh, Trump over the weekend in Reno, Nevada, clip eight. We are a nation that has lost its way, but we are not going to allow this horror to continue. Three years ago, we were a great nation, and we will soon be a great nation again. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. We will fight for America like no one has ever fought before. With you at my side, we will demolish the deep state. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists. We will throw off the sick political class. We will rout the fake news media. We will drain the swamp and we will liberate our country from these tyrants and villains once and for all. We will be liberated. Like those patriots before us, we will not bend, we will not break, we will not yield, we will never give in, we will never give up, and we will never ever back down. With your support, we will go on to victory, the likes of which no one has ever seen before. There's uh, the latest Trump rally from Reno, Nevada. Trump, uh, Trump's team, of course, adding the inspirational music to go together with his concluding remarks. Jeroboam and Antiochus, that's the story, in large part, that's the story of this book, America Under Attack. Call our operators today, request your free copy, the number 1-866-930-3024. The email address, if you'd like to submit some feedback, that's td at thetrumpet.com. My uh, Twitter handle, that's at Stephen Flurry. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we will see you tomorrow.